episode number 21. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with the Higher Life Podcast. If you found this podcast floating around the web, you can find more episodes at rabbimitterhoff.com. So this week's podcast is going to include a powerful parable about a fly. The Torah portion of the week is Matos, the truth behind our desire to live. A great story about Rav Chaim Shmuelovich and peace in your home is about the ultimate goal. So the Chafetz Chaim wants to explain the Gemara and Brachos that brings down a parable about a fly. The Gemara says there, the evil inclination is comparable to a fly. A person's desire to do the wrong thing is comparable to a fly. The Chafetz Chaim explains why did they choose this small disgusting creature to explain how the evil inclination works. So he says that most creatures will be frightened off once, twice, three times. If you start scaring them away, they'll leave you alone. Not the fly, however. Once it starts to come and bother somebody, it just keeps swarming around, buzzing around ceaselessly. No matter how many times you frighten it, it comes back and bothers you again, without any let-up. It won't give you any peace until you destroy it. The same is true of the evil inclination. It does not grow ashamed or frightened by anything in the world. However much you try to drive it away and get rid of it, it comes back at you. Push it away in one direction, it comes back seven times in the other direction. There's no way to get rid of it. As long as a person is alive, he's going to have inside of him a desire to do the wrong thing. But we have to be aware that it's there and it's a constant battle. That's why it's like the fly that doesn't give up. This week's Torah portion is Matos. I want to start out with Or Yisrael, Rav Yisrael Salanter. He says like this, When we contemplate the substance of our wants and our longings, we discover the desire for the pleasures of this life supersede all other things. This will to live is anchored deep in our hearts, like a stake set firmly in the earth. We would be willing to exchange everything just for the sake of our own survival. So he explains that man has a tremendous drive to live. He continues and says, Our sense of lacking, our craving for the illusionary corporal desires, this very sense of lacking stems only from our sense of desires of our will. So what does that mean? It means we have a will, we have desires, and that's what's creating our lacking. So my good friend Rev. Svi Miller, in the footnote over here, he translated Or Yisrael and he says like this, our material desires are blended together with the very desire for life itself. In other words, we're confused. We think that our drive for life and our drive for our desires are one and the same. Therefore, our sense of desire does not discriminate between valid and illegitimate needs. We falsely imagine that everything we desire is a necessity of life. So Rav Yisrael Salanter explains that we've bunched together our own desires and our desire for life and we think it's all one and the same thing. But the question is, what is our true desire for life? Where is it coming from? And I'm going to explain that according to Rev. Eliel Dessler. But first, I want to explain what it says in the Parsh. It says like this. 
Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Take vengeance for the children of Yisrael, for the Midianites. Afterwards you will be brought in unto your people. Hashem told Moshe his last mitzvah before he died. He wants him to take vengeance against the Midianites. And he says, Afterwards you will be brought into your people. In other words, you're going to pass away after that. So Rashi explains, Even though he heard that his death is dependent upon the matter, he acted with joy. And he did not delay. He knows he's going to die. Doesn't matter. He does the mitzvah with joy and he doesn't wait. He doesn't delay. And the Sifri explains there that God did not order Moses to take vengeance against Midian immediately. He could have delayed and prolonged his life. Nevertheless, out of joy of fulfilling God's commandments, he immediately ordered the Israelites to arm men and attack Midian. He didn't wait. So we see that Moshe Rabbeinu, even though he knows he's going to die, he does his commandment with joy, and he doesn't wait with Zerizas. He does it fast. So Rabbi Mordechai Miller from Gateshead asks, Why was Moses so fast to go into this war? I just brought a raya a second ago from the Sifri that said actually he could have waited. He didn't tell him to do it immediately. So why is he a little bit rash? He knows he's going to die. Doesn't it appear that he has a little bit of a too casual attitude towards his own life? Where's his desire to live? And we know that Moses himself in Parshish Eschanan prayed, there the Midrash says, 515 separate prayers that he should live longer to be able to enter into Israel. And the only reason he stopped praying was because God himself intervened and said, like Rashi explains, that people are going to say, I'm too harsh. Hashem said to Moshe, you better stop praying. People are going to say, I'm too harsh because I didn't let you go in. I didn't let you live. So we see that Moshe Rabbeinu for sure appreciated life. He prayed 515 separate prayers in order to live a little bit longer. So how do we put these two things together? So Rev. Dessler explains that really the physical instincts of man all have a spiritual root. In other words, our instinct to pull away from something disgusting, in essence, in the deeper levels of our soul, is really connected up with our souls pulling away from something that's spiritually impure. So if Miller wants to explain this, this is also true for our will to live, our drive to be alive. It also has a spiritual source. There's something spiritual happening there. It's not just clinging to physical life. Even though, like we said before, according to Rav Yisuda Salanter, we mix up things. But in his essence, in the deeper part of a person's soul, he wants to live because really he wants to grow. He appreciates that life is an opportunity and he understands that he's here for a purpose and he can reach new levels, new spiritual levels. And he says that once a person becomes aware of that, becomes conscious of why he's driven to live, he would never, God forbid, do something dangerous, dangerous sports, all these crazy things that people do to get some kind of high sensation, he would never do it because he appreciates the value of life. The value of life is an opportunity to grow every minute. Once you understand that life is a vessel, is a kli, in order to be able to do mitzvahs and come close to God, so every second is valuable. We know, for example, that the Sabbath is allowed to be profaned in order to keep life going. And what does it say there in Gemara Shabbos? It says, Profane one Shabbos in order to live and keep many more Shabbases. In other words, for Pekuach Nefesh, if somebody's going to die, God forbid, on Shabbos, you're allowed to break the Shabbos in order to save a life. 
And the Gemara explains there that's because he'll be able to do many more Shabbos. He'll be able to do many more mitzvahs. I want to bring down the famous Mesilas Yishar mitzvahs like this. Everybody knows this. Our sages of blessed memory have instructed us that man was created for the sole purpose of coming close to God and delighting in the splendor of the divine presence. The true place for this pleasure is the world to come, which is created for the, with this purpose in mind. However, the path that helps us reach our desired objective is this world. As our sages have said, this world resembles a corridor for the world to come. The means that lead man to this goal are the mitzvahs. Therefore, man was first placed in this world, and through those means, he'll be able to reach his destination, which is the world to come. Like it says in Aruvin, you do them today and receive the reward, reward tomorrow. Continues a little later on and says, For a person to be entitled to this good, it is only appropriate that he first labor and make the effort to acquire it. This means that he must try to cleave to the Blessed One through deeds which lead to that goal, these deeds in the mitzvahs. In other words, God put us into this world in order to do the mitzvahs, in order to work hard, and to sweat, and to push forward, and to grow, in order that we should be worthy and feel worthy in the next world to receive our reward. This is basic, basic Jewish philosophy. Sometimes people ask me, do Jews believe in the next world? It's the whole basis of the Torah of the next world. This world is a corridor to the next world. And here's where we do the work. Here's where we grow. Here's where we perfect ourselves. Here's where we grow in wisdom and perfect our character. And the next world, we stay that way for eternity. We know Chazal tells us that the limbs of our body are connected with up with the, two, with the mitzvahs. And the Chavetz Chaim explains, God forbid, if a person doesn't do a certain mitzvah, he'll be deformed. The mitzvahs create our spiritual body in the next world. And therefore, every Jew has to value every second of his life, has an unbelievable value. How much energy, how much co-op God is putting into this world. Niagara Falls, for example, has 200,000 gallons per second. What's going on? That's just Niagara Falls. How much resources God is put into this world, into this universe. It's all for us. It's all for us to come close to him. It's an opportunity Beyond anything, Rav Miller explains what it means. We even have a saying, a Jewish saying, don't open your mouth to the Satan. Why? Because we understand that a calamity, if something goes wrong, God forbid. We don't talk that way. We don't even mention these things. Talk about dying. We don't talk about the machala, the sickness. We don't say exactly what the sickness is, but we talk about it, the sickness. Why? Because we value life. But why do we value life? We value life because of the mitzvahs. So this explains how it could be on one side. Moshe Rabbeinu prayed 515 times to stay alive for a little bit longer. And on the other side, in this week's Parsha, he jumped to do the mitzvah. It's not a contradiction. Because life is about the mitzvah. So this was his last mitzvah. So he did it with all of his energy, with happiness. He understood, okay, now has come his time. But he's going to do the mitzvah with everything that he has. Concentrated on the one last commandment that God gave him. And he brings a beautiful proof here. We know the story of David Amelech when he was hiding from Shaul. So Shaul actually came so close to him that he was able to cut off the corner of his robe. And David later shows him that. You see, I could have killed you. But the Yalkut says like this, Then David arose and cut off the corner of his robe of Shaul, and it came to pass afterwards that the heart of David smote him because he had cut the corner of Shaul's robe. So he explains why, why David felt so bad, because he cut the robe of Shaul. What was the big deal? 
I mean, here, he could have actually killed Shaul. He could have saved himself, saved himself a lot of trouble. And he feels bad that he cut his robe. So the Yakut says like this, David's regret was that through his action, Shaul was unable to do the mitzvah of sitzes for one hour. In other words, David felt so bad that he prevented someone who was trying to kill him from doing a mitzvah for one hour, from not being able to wear sitzes. Meanwhile, people go without sitzes, they don't even care about their sitzes. Here, one hour, David understood the value of what was one mitzvah for one hour. Also, we know it's a famous thing in the Vilna Goni, he was crying when he was about to die. He said, for, in this world, what was he crying about? In this world, for Grushim, for a couple pennies, I could wear sitzits. In the next world, that's it, I can't do mitzvahs anymore. We know that when you go into a graveyard, you have to tuck your sitzits in. And the reason is because it creates a jealousy for the people that are there. They see your sits as, I, I can't do the mitzvah anymore. We don't understand the value of the mitzvahs. But that's the real Jewish value for life because it's the value of the mitzvahs, the value of growing, the value of coming close to God. And he brings another beautiful riot. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. We know that, well, God forbid, when a relative dies, you have to rip kriya. So you have to cut part of the garment. However, when a parent dies, this tear has to be larger and extend right over the heart. So why, by apparent, it has to be larger? You say, well, it has to be larger because simply because you, you feel worse. It's your, it's your parent, God forbid. Not, that's not what the Gemara says. Rav Shmuel explains. This is because the mitzvah of Kibbutz aim. Why is it a bigger loss? Because you can no longer do the mitzvah. You can't do the mitzvah of Kibbutz aim anymore. You can't honor your parents because they're not there, God forbid. And that's why you rip a bigger kriya. That's why you have a, a, more, a bigger mourning, the mourning over the mitzvah. Not only did a person lose his parents, God forbid, but he also lost the mitzvah of honoring one's parents. That's why he has a bigger kriya. We have to appreciate the value of the mitzvahs. We're here for 120 years. That's it. And then we're set for eternity. I want to bring one last proof because it's also shayak to this week's Parsha. Bilam was killed in this week's Parsha. So the famous proof of Reb Chaim Shmuelovich, that it's better to be alive than even have the suffering of Eov. Even if a person is absolutely suffering, who knows what, it's still better to be alive. And it brings a proof this week's Parsha. We know there were three people who gave Eitzah, advice, power, what to, do with, what to do with the Jewish people. So Chazal tells us that Bilam actually gave the advice, Eov was quiet, and Yitro ran away. So they each got their punishments respectively, which was what? Bilam was killed by the sword. Eov had the sufferings of Job, unbelievable sufferings with his family and his possessions. And Yitro ran away, he got rewarded. The proof is that it can't be that the one who did the lesser thing gets the greater punishment. So Bilam was the one who gave the Eitzah, gave the advice to Paro. He got killed by the sword. That has to be the greater punishment. Because Eov, who, who did the lesser thing, which was just to be quiet, he got the sufferings of Eov. That's a proof that even if a person, God forbid, has the sufferings of Eov, it's better to be alive than to get the punishment of Bilam, which is to be killed by the sword. So if anybody says they'd rather be dead than to suffer, they're making a major mistake. That's not a Jewish way of looking at things. We'd rather be alive. A minute of life, we don't appreciate what's one minute of life. Some people can gain their entire alamaba in one minute. There's stories like that in the Gemara. I want to end off with the Vilna Gon and Evan Shlemus is like this. Failing to fulfill a positive commandment is worse than transgressing a negative commandment. You hear this? Not doing a positive commandment is worse than doing a negative commandment. Why? Because it says, 
When a man sits idle and fails to fulfill a positive commandment, he transgresses a sin every second. Whereas transgressing a negative commandment, he only did that sin at the time that he did it. In other words, sitting around, wasting your time, goofing off hour after hour is a greater sin than going out and doing a negative commandment, which is a one-time deal. I don't want to be too harsh, but the Perkyavel says, he who does not learn Torah is liable for death. God forbid, lower Lenu. You see, the purpose of our being here is for Torah and mitzvahs. And that's why God gave us life. And that's really our inner drive, our spirituality inside of ourselves, our soul calling out for the drive for life. But as Rabbi Yisrael Salanter explained, we got mixed up a little bit. We think everything we desire is a drive for life. And we call life all of our physical desires. But Rabbi Yisrael Salanter has a solution. He says if we learn Musr and we learn Torah and we apply ourselves, then our intelligence will wake up and we'll really realize the real talkless purpose for why we're here. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. I'm going to tell you a story about Rav Chaim Shmuelevich. It says like this. On his way to America from Shanghai, the ship was teeming with refugees. It was almost impossible to move around. Under those circumstances, it was quite difficult to study and almost impossible to concentrate. You know, like you go to a waiting room somewhere and there's things moving around, people, you know, you take a book with you, you try to concentrate, you can't concentrate. How possibly can you concentrate? People coming in, people coming, people going out, people trying to sleep. How can you concentrate? So it says that Rav Chaim brought with him a copy of the Shev Shemaisa, which is a very difficult safer, a very hard book, which he studied avidly throughout the entire trip, oblivious to what was going on. He just had his head in the book. He was just going back and forth, thinking about what the, what the book was saying. It's an unbelievable safer. So one of the fellow passengers asked him, during the trip, where are we? He asked. So we answered, it's Shmaisa Gimel. We're in the third section of the book. That's who Rav Chaim was. He was in the third section of the book. It continues and it says, during his younger years, he would learn with Chavus the entire night. So it says he was learning with Rav Shmur Rozovsky. And the plan was to learn all night to catch a few minutes of sleep in the, during the day. When day broke, Rav Shmur went to sleep, leaving Rav Chaim at study. When Rav Shmur awoke, he saw that Rav Chaim still didn't go to sleep. Two full days passed before Rav Chaim realized he had not eaten or slept for two consecutive days. You hear this? That's how Osek, that's how they were involved in learning. They saw the beauty of the Torah, the excitement. It says when he was older, there was no difference between night and day. He would be sitting and learning Gemara. She said in the yeshiva, you have what's called intercession. So they would, students would take a little bit of a vacation to gather more strength for the upcoming session. So Rav Chaim said, I agree that recuperation was important, but nevertheless he told us, it's hard for me to understand the whole idea of Benazmanim, intercession. It's like having a Benachayim, an interruption of life. Does one ever take a vacation from life? You see what a level, what levels these rabbis were on. For them, the Torah was life, it was alive, and the mitzvahs were alive for them. The learning was so exciting. Even though we can't be on those levels, but you need to know about them, we have to strive for them. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rabbi Victor Miller explains the goal is in your marriage is to build a sanctuary, a little base of Migdash in your own home. You should bring in as much holiness as you can into your home as possible. We know that when a man gets married, he says, Hari Atmukudeshisli, you are sanctified to me. He said, This should be expanded as much as you can. You should bring as much holiness as you can, sanctification into your house as possible, that you should bring the presence of God there. This should be the ambition. We wish to bring the Shekhinah into our house, the presence of God. Says nobody's really successful. There's ups and downs and failures. 
And sometimes there's minor tragedies. But he says, this should be the goal because this is the only house we have in our lifetimes and we should try to make it into a holy temple. How do we do that? We be kind to each other, serving God and successfully living together. That is living on earth for a purpose. He says, nobody lives forever. And in the end, the person is going to be taken before the great judge. His record will be taken out. And the record that was inscribed in the house will have the most to say. This is where you spent a lot of time, you did a lot of actions. And therefore, your alamobah, your next world, depends mostly on the success at home. Therefore, people should keep in mind the great goal for which they are married. He says our next world will largely be a reflection of the way we lived in our homes in this world. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends and leave comments. I'd like to get some feedback. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.